What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies 7500 and Midway. But first, let's talk about the movie 7500. Here's a quick synopsis. Airplane pilot Tobias Ellis is having a normal day flying when a group of terrorists try to take control of the plane and threaten the lives of him and the passengers. This is a really good movie. I definitely recommend it. And the reason I checked it out and gave it a watch is because of actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He is terrific in the film in his return to acting. It's subtle, but the movie star in him still shines. His calmness fits the role perfectly. I've loved Levitt forever. It doesn't seem like he's ever been in a bad movie. He always delivers. You look at Angels in the Outfield, Third Rock from the Sun, 10 Things I Hate About You, Brick, 500 Days of Summer, Looper, 5050, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Dawn John, Premium Rush, and The Night Before. This guy is one of the best actors working today. He's such a good actor. He can be the lead of a movie like this, and he can be the supporting actor of a big-time blockbuster like Inception or Dark Knight Rises. I think he's one of the best actors to never get nominated for an Oscar. Like, when I watch 500 Days of Summer, I'm like, what are you guys missing? Nominate that guy. When I watch Inception, I'm like, he should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination. He carries that movie. His scenes with him and Ellen Page are phenomenal. They make the movie. And then you look at something like 50-50 and he carries that movie. A comedy about cancer and he makes it heartfelt. That's how good of an actor Joseph Gordon-Lovett is. And look at the two movies he made with Ryan Johnson. Brick and Looper are fantastic and they're so different. Like Brick is like this weird noir teenage movie and Looper is one of the best science fiction films of the past decade. And Levitt is one of those actors that fits perfectly well in comedies and drama. Like The Night Before is one of the funniest Christmas movies you will ever watch. And then he can go off and play Edward Snowden pretty convincingly by the way. That was one of the most underrated performances of that year. I am just a big fan. I mean how many other child actors have had this level of success after being a childhood actor. I mean you had Angels in the Outfield and then you had Third Rock from the Sun and then he kind went away for a while and then he reinvented himself as a leading man in Hollywood and now he's kind of doing it again. I mean this year he has 7500 and later he has the newly acquired Netflix film The Trial of Chicago 7 directed by Aaron Sorkin. I am fully expecting Joseph Gordon-Levitt to deliver a great performance in an Aaron Sorkin movie. I mean I just cannot wait for that one. Also in this movie you have Ahmed Mamar who delivers a a breakout performance as a misguided member of the terrorist group. I mean, this guy is so good in this movie. He has most of his scenes with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and they start to form like a really weird bond in the most uncomfortable situation of all time. And you really get the sense that the two of them are starting to feel the humanity between the two of them. They both don't want to be in this situation. It's uncomfortable, and it's insanely dark. This film is a great debut from director Patrick Volrath, who finds the intensity within reality. I mean, this movie has no score. He's not trying to up the scale by the look. It is all in the feeling. It is not one of those thrillers that's trying to make it look amazing. This is just a normal situation that could really happen in real life. He is trying to show you there are horrors within the reality.
reality of the situation. He's not trying to make it cinematic, which almost makes it more cinematic. I know it's a movie. I know Joseph Gordon-Levitt is an actor, but at some points in the movie, it feels real. And that's a great feeling when you're watching a movie, even if it's an uncomfortable one. Visually, the film is really good, and it shows how condensed the space the cockpit is. And then you have this thing that carries the movie. Basically, the pilot played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt has to make a quick choice whether or not to remain professional or be personally selfish and make an irrational decision based on his emotions and his personal life like he has to choose between duty and love basically I mean it's a really uncomfortable thing but again it's a circumstance that could really happen to someone in his situation he has to remain professional because he has to care about the lives of people he doesn't know over someone in this movie that he cares about deeply that's an intense thought and I don't think everyone would react the way that he does in this movie you'd hope they would but I think there are some people that would make the opposite choice and I'm not even saying that's wrong that's just being a human but he remains really professional in that moment and you can have all the training in the world to remain professional but you don't know how you are going to react until you face that head on and he had to face that head on and he made the right choice in my mind even if for him it's heartbreaking I just watched another movie that you could say is like a similar genre, but is way more over-the-top movie. It's called Red Eye. It stars Rachel McAdams and Killian Murphy, and he's kind of a terrorist on a plane, but it's much more of like a movie. It's much more of like a thriller, like it's trying to feel cinematic. This movie is all trapped in realism. I think both movies work, and I enjoy both movies, and the main difference between both movies is that Red Eye, there is a clear villain. Killian Murphy is so over the top, you are not rooting for him. But there's a moment where you hope Ahmed Memar's character makes the right decision. Like, he's not a clear villain in that way. He's not ghoulish. He's not evil. He's misguided. Like, there's a difference. Again, it's 100% more real. Red Eye is just pure entertainment. 7500 is a movie about a situation that could definitely happen and has happened. Also, this ending of this film is so realistic. Nobody is feeling happy at the end of this, and their lives are changed for Ever. Even the hero of the movie, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, his life is changed. He will not be living the same happy life that he did before the events of this movie. Again, he woke up and was having a normal day just being a pilot, and then his entire life was turned upside down. This film is a thriller, it is intense, but it doesn't have to work that hard to be. It just has to give you this real life situation and have it play out. And again, you'll be on the edge of your seat waiting for what will happen and you know that the ending will not be a happy one. You're just wanting to know how we're going to get there. The film is like weirdly both simplistic and complicated at the same time. It's simplicity in the filmmaking and a complicated storyline that's executed perfectly. I definitely recommend you check out 7500. Joseph Gordon-Levitt gives an excellent performance. It's one of the best of the year so far. If you're a fan of the thriller genre, you'll definitely enjoy 7500. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie Midway. Here's a quick 
quick synopsis. After witnessing the horror of Pearl Harbor, Lieutenant Dick Best and other members of the air group for the USS Enterprise fight in the Battle of Midway. This is one of those movies from the moment I saw the trailer. I needed to check this movie out and it lived up to what exactly what I thought it was going to be. Did I think this was going to be a complicated movie? No. I just thought it was going to be a popcorn war movie. I got exactly what I thought I was going to get out of it and I enjoyed almost every second of this movie. I was entertained and I felt like I learned a little bit about World War II and the Battle of Midway and what these soldiers were really going through. And one of the biggest reasons why I enjoyed this movie was because of the lead performance from Ed Screen. I think he's an interesting actor. He was brilliant as Francis in Deadpool. I mean, it feels like he always gets left off of that list of best villains in a comic book movie. He was so good. That performance was so good. He was perfectly sinister. Like, you hated that character as much as Wade Wilson hated that guy. It was such a good performance. And it's why I don't think Deadpool 2 is as good as Deadpool. Because when I watched it, I was like, there's no Francis in this movie. I need more Francis. I mean, I feel like this guy has movie star potential. He has a brilliant American accent in this movie. I feel like if I were ever going to compare him to any other actor, he's not as big as Tom Hardy, but he has a presence about him in that same way, where it's just like you don't realize anyone else is on screen when this guy is talking. He has a commanding presence on screen. I mean, he's had small roles in movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, Alita Battle Angel, Melissa and Mistress of Evil, I really hope he gets more of the chance to be a leading man because I think in Midway, he proves he can carry a movie. He gives the best performance of this movie by far and I don't think it's close at all. I mean, his character in this movie, Dick Best, feels like he's larger than life and Screen played him like a bit of a rebel who still fights for his country in the end. I mean, it's really interesting. Also in this movie is Patrick Wilson who plays a pivotal role in the movie as intelligence officer Edwin T. Layton, and I think he's underrated as a supporting actor. He can steal movies easily. He's great in the episode of Girls that he's in. He's so good in the movie The A-Team. He's so good in Morning Glory. I mean, these are movies that are not really good, but the Patrick Wilson moments in them are great. Like, I watched The A-Team, and I'm like, okay, Bradley Cooper's fine, Liam Neeson's fine, Jessica Biel's fine. The Patrick Wilson character is really good in that movie. Same with Morning Glory. Like, his scenes with Rachel McAdams are the only good ones in that movie. And I know he's an Aquaman. I know he's, like, a big-time box office guy, but he doesn't seem to get the recognition that he deserves. I think he's a really good actor. And in this movie, he plays this guy who made, like, a real-life mistake, and he's trying to undo that. And he's one of the biggest reasons why we end up winning World War II. I mean, that's fascinating that a mistake is the reason that made someone so convinced that they had to undo their wrong. Also, when you consider that the mistake was that the other people were not listening to his character, that something like Pearl Harbor could happen. I mean, I had no idea that. He put all that effort because of guilt and then was able to find out that Japan was going to attack Midway. And that's why we have the Battle of Midway. So that's why watching a movie like this, yes, it's cinematic. Yes, it's awesome. You can also learn something about people you had no idea about. It's like 
like watching the imitation game and learning who Alan Turing is. I mean, that guy's a hero. I should know who that is. I should know who Edwin T. Layton is. And because of this movie, I do. So I think that's a good thing. And I think it's one of those reasons why movies like this should be made. Luke Evans is in this movie, and I feel like he's an actor who shines in blockbusters. He plays it big, and I enjoy it for the most part. He's good in the Hobbit films. He's good as Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. He's really great in Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. Basically, the story of how Wonder Woman became one of the most popular comic books of all time, how they're based on two real-life people. And then the rest of the supporting cast of Midway is just a star-studded affair. You have Woody Harrelson, who worked with director Roland Emmerich before in the movie 2012. You have Dennis Quaid, who worked with the director before in The Day After Tomorrow. You have actress Mandy Moore, who of course everyone knows. And you have Nick Jonas taking a break from the Jumanji movies to be in this. And you have actor Darren Chris, who I absolutely love. Of course, he's from Glee, but he was so good in the assassination of Gianni Versace. And his rivalry with Ed Screen's character in this movie is fantastic. I needed more of it. And finally, you have underrated actor Aaron Eckhart in this film. I mean, there's just a small few minutes where he gets his own storyline in this film. It's like, why is Aaron Eckhart in this? I don't care. I really enjoy him in movies. He's brilliant in The Dark Knight as Two-Face. I mean, that's an underrated role for that movie. We all know we talk about Heath Ledger's Joker, but shout out to Aaron Eckhart's Two-Face. He was also in Sully with Tom Hanks, and the two movies he made with actor Miles Teller are perfect. You have Rabbit Hole, which also has Nicole Kidman, and he was so good in the movie Bleed for this. It's one of the most underrated boxing movies of all time. If you like Rocky, if you like Raging Bull, Bleed for This is the movie for you, and Miles Teller and Eckhart are perfect in this movie. Now let's talk about the director of Midway, Roland Emmerich, who as a filmmaker has a lot in common with Michael Bay. They both make blockbuster films that for the most part are critically panned, but are enjoyed by audiences and have a lot of box office successes. Also, both filmmakers don't seem to care about plot or character development all that much. It's all about making the film feel epic in scale and look visually impressive, especially for Emmerich with films like Independence Day, Godzilla, The Patriot, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, White House Down. His films are all visually stunning and filled with movie stars. They are a visceral experience. His films are show and don't tell. Like, he is not obsessed with plot. But overall, I gotta say, I'm a fan of the guy. I love Independence Day. Will Smith is phenomenal in that movie. Jeff Goldblum, even the movie Godzilla is okay. I mean, Matthew Broderick's really good in that. Then you have The Patriot with Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger. The Day After Tomorrow, you have Dennis Quaid and Jake Gyllenhaal. 2012 has a star-filled cast. White House Down has Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum. You've got to give it to the guy. Movie stars want to work with these kind of directors because they know at the end of the day these movies are going to look cool. There's a reason why John Malkovich agrees to be in a Michael Bay Transformers movie because he knows it's going to look cool. There's a reason why Mark Wahlberg works with Michael Bay because he knows they're going to look cool. There's a reason why Woody Harrelson and Dennis Quaid, two of the biggest movie stars in the world who can be a part of basically anything they want, agree to be in two Roland Emmerich films because they know at the end of the day he's going to make a 
pretty cool movie that's going to get them a lot of exposure. These films are going to be seen by the masses. And for the most part, they're easy to follow despite a convoluted plot at times. I mean, The Day After Tomorrow is on TV all of the time. Independence Day is on TV all of the time. His movies are rewatchable because they're not complicated. It's simple. Make it look epic in scale and have it star a ton of movie stars. He is not a director who doesn't understand his process. He's not trying to make things complicated. For the most part, I think his movies are pretty simple. Tell the story of the Battle of Midway and have a bunch of movie stars be in this film so that people will watch it and make it look epic in scale and show the horrors of war. Like, that's simple. I think a lot of filmmakers could do it, but not a lot of filmmakers could get this many movie stars to be a part of a project like this. These are the type of movies that make you wonder what's the point of reviews if everyone's just going to watch these movies anyway and enjoy them. I like the movie Midway, despite the fact that it's got like a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes, and most critics will say it's bland, it's not different, it doesn't change the genre. Well, guess what? I wasn't looking forward to change the genre. I was looking forward to have a good time, learn something, and be entertained. And for me, it did all those things, so that's enough. I don't look at this movie and think of it as a failure. I think of it as doing the thing that Roland Emmerich thought it was going to do. Again, him and Michael Bay must be over the whole critical thing because they know they're never going to get on those people's sides. These two directors make the movies that they're going to make and for the most part I enjoy their work and I think so do most normal average movie goers. And I 100% understand that this film is not as good as other World War II films like Saving Private Ryan or Dunkirk but it's entertaining it's historically accurate and like most war films I enjoy its filled with movie stars and it shows you the terror of war but of course I know this movie isn't as meaningful and heartfelt as Dunkirk. Of course I know it's not as powerful as Saving Private Ryan. I know Emmerich isn't Christopher Nolan. I know he's not Steven Spielberg. But I don't need him to be that. I know he's not Oliver Stone making Platoon. I know he's not going to make that kind of meaningful war film. But what he is going to make is something grand in scale that's pretty cool to watch filled with a bunch of people I like. I like seeing Nick Jonas do a weird accent for a few minutes. I think that's equally entertaining at times. The line between good and entertaining is weird. I mean, I don't know what that line is. I wasn't annoyed by some of the plot holes in this film. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't even know what happens to the Aaron Eckhart character at the end. And I know in these movies, you're not always going to get some of the best performances from actors. But when you do in his movies, they're kind of unique and special. Like Will Smith in Independence Day is a fantastic performance. Ed Screen in this movie is so good. I will re-watch this movie at some point just so that I can see Ed Screen again. Again, it just worked for me. I also think when you watch a movie made for by a filmmaker just obsessed with how the movie looks, you can get some accidental silly moments because he's not paying attention to the plot. You can tell that this guy cares about the Battle of Midway by only showing you what it was like for the Battle of Midway. He doesn't care about the dialogue that much. Some of those heartfelt speeches in this movie are kind of ridiculous. I understand that. I'm not saying it's as meaningful as those other movies, but I am saying that it's worth the watch because it's entertaining 
and it does what he was supposed to do. He's giving you something. He's telling you what it is. It's not supposed to be some Oscar film that gets huge awards. Midway is what Midway is supposed to be, and I enjoyed it, and I would definitely watch it again. I definitely recommend you check out Midway. It's so worth the almost two and a half hours flew by because it was entertaining, and for the most part, it was fun. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And this week, I put the spotlight on the movies 7500 and Midway. And next week, I'm putting the spotlight on actor Jay Baruchel in the movie Palm Springs starring Andy Samberg. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. 